Yo, what's going on, guys? This is Christian with uh, How It's Done Podcast, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, John Lugwood Jr., uh, with the Governor's Club, Night Lasers, and the Rising Sea. How's it going, man? Good. How are you, Christian? Pretty good, man. Uh, can't complain. So uh, right off the bat, man, for those uh, watching out there that don't know, just tell us what you do. I own a laser engraving business, uh, so I, I, I work with a laser machine and basically laser engrave anything from woods, acrylics, leathers, um, and I uh, have a little car club called the Governor's Club. Awesome, man. So how did how did you get started doing, uh, well, let's just first start off with uh, Night Laser. How'd you uh, get started doing that, man? Just talk me through that. Well, basically, I was at a point where I was uh, I was laid off from my uh, current job, and um, I had a friend in England who had a laser engraving business, and um, I visit him in the summers usually, and saw how he ran his business, and and um, it really kind of sparked an interest in that field. And um, after talking with him for a little bit about uh, the ins and outs of a machine or the do's and don'ts of the industry and stuff like that, I, um, I decided that that was a, a new venture for me. And so I kind of just threw myself into it, bought a machine, learned how to use it, and uh, married myself to it in a way. That's awesome, man. Uh, so this is a solo venture for you, yeah? It is, yeah, it's just me. Um, I mean, uh, an aggressive expansion at some point may be necessary, but right now I haven't even really tapped my full potential. So I, I enjoy it being just me. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. I, I know that you guys do like a lot of stuff. So just, you know, tell me what, what's everything that you guys have to offer as a company? Um, I do a lot of stuff, everything from like people's weddings, cake toppers, table numbers, stuff like that to production stuff for uh, merchandising for businesses, uh, leather key rings, wooden cup coasters, car show trophies, um, stuff out of acrylic, display industrial uh, product numbers uh, for different components and wow. parts. And yeah. So there's kind of a high ceiling in, a, in an industry like that. I can do a lot of different stuff, I guess. That's cool, man. Um, so as far as, uh, uh, what, what sort of equipment are you using and is it is it high maintenance stuff? I run a CO2 laser, which is a CNC laser machine. So basically it's a basically for anyone who's used something like that it's an x and y axis cnc machine but rather than a router or a plasma cutter it uses laser as the application oh okay um hence there, the name <laughs> yeah exactly it, it there are there is some maintenance involved um i got acclimated to what the daily maintenance and routine uh, work on the machine was but there's not a lot i don't have like a full-blown woodworking shop or oh, something okay, like that yeah. so it's like the laser machine and a few uh, pieces of tooling, an arbor press for riveting stuff, oh, wow. and, and a sander and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Cool. Pretty and you cool. do it all out of your 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 basement? My shop. Yeah. Your shop? My shop's at my house. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's good and bad sometimes. Because sometimes <laughs> you're I find working myself, from home all the time. Yeah, I find myself shutting the lights off at four in the morning sometimes. Oh, wow. But it's uh, it's good. It's 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 kind of whipped me into shape as far as uh of uh, uh having a set schedule sometimes. So. Do you ever have to outsource your work, or is it just all you doing doing your? The only thing I've ever really outsourced, I think, is because some design work. Oh, I don't have a right. design background, and um, I've, there's been a few instances where I've been stuck on some line work of a design or something like that, and, and, and time is of the essence of the yeah. job, so I'll have a friend who's in graphic design like hammer out uh, some critiquing or something that needs to be done, but as far as the hardware is concerned or as far as the actual tangible job, it's yeah, I haven't been able to or had to outsource anything so right and you're always having to like to convert you know people's logos to specific files in order to be able to use them on your your equipment yeah right? you basically become a graphic designer by default with yeah. a business like that because you're working with 
either people's photos or or logos designs right like and that. you sometimes probably get like logos that are like super intricate and you have to just like yeah 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 so Work i mean it's uh, it's it's been a fun challenge sometimes <laughs> it gets a little frustrating i um, i can totally see that but uh i feel like it's sharpened my graphic design skills <laughs> whatever there may be of those so yeah what's a typical day like for you I'm an early riser and I definitely chalk that up to my father and my grandfather yeah. as well. They're uh they're definitely like early risers. I get up at I don't know, maybe quarter to six, six in the morning and I've got plenty of friends that like like to sleep in and say, Well, you if you run your own business, you can you can start, be on your own time. You can wake up at ten, but I've always been an early riser and so yeah, so I, I, I get up pretty early, get a cup of coffee, uh I have a little stretch routine. I mean, I'm I'm hurting You're up the, early. Yeah, the uh, yeah the twenties. My twenties were, were rough on me, and I'm sure we're going to talk about about <laughs> some of that. But um, yeah, so I, I have like a little stretch routine. Get a cup of coffee and uh, have a couple eggs and some breakfast, and uh, kind of get to work as far as the shop's concerned. And I've got a lot of stuff going on in my father's hobby shop too, as far as some of the car projects and stuff. So yeah. sometimes I divvy up my time. If I don't have a lot of commission work on the table, we'll work in the shop on some of the cars yeah. as well. So right on. But first thing you do, I'm guessing is you just log in, check your emails, get sorted out and then you just yeah. get started to work. It, it's, it's, I've, I've put dry erase boards in every room of my house. So I don't forget, forget anything. stuff. Yeah. And I've realized that now that I'm, I'm 32 years old, I, I've, I almost feel like I feel like I'd be sharper than like I feel like I am because I forget so much stuff now. Emails, Instagram direct messages, oh, yeah. uh, Facebook Messenger messages, um, just all the platforms. Text messages. Sometimes I forget about all that stuff. So people, they're, if they're trying to like get a hold of me for a job or whatever, I, I literally have to write down on my dry erase boards in like every room, like check <laughs> emails and messages. So. Dude, I, I feel like at work I'm always writing stuff in like st on like, stickies, notepads, absolutely putting I'm a, them on my I'm, monitor, and I just. I just have to. I'm an absolute advocate for like the can't remember anything. Notes, the writing on your hand if you have to. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's definitely needed sometimes. So for as far as people reaching out to you, what is your number one way of getting business? I'd say at the moment, Instagram. Instagram, I think. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. seems to be the Yeah, it's the go to. It's been I don't have a sign out in front of my shop directing people off the street into my shop. So right. So not no there's no like foot traffic, it's just right, all exactly on, on Instagram and, and internet. I, th I think it works I think it works hand in hand with a business like that because I can post photos of the products I'm making and people see those photos and they it, it immediately almost like lets them know what I can yeah. make. And so some people will yeah, say Yeah, you don't have to get like fancy with it. It's right. just real work that yeah. you just take a picture of i think instagram's been the best platform so far. i can't even uh, i can't even remember instagram when you couldn't dm somebody i feel like it was, they, i actually yeah i remember that because i remember when that first started i mean i do but i don't want to yeah because yeah, it was yeah. just like you share your photos and it was cool but you couldn't really go past that that's right yeah and now it was all you, facebook if you want right and now somebody, yeah. instagram is just a whole new monster it has stories it has messaging it yeah businesses are thriving we because of it. We got a massive, it. massive Instagram plug right now. It's like, <laughs> shout out to Instagram. Instagram, DMs. <laughs> DM me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay, so. You're gonna put the Instagram handles like Christian Canavit and yeah. Follow us. Yeah. <laughs> a plea, an urgent plea for friends. <laughs> All right, so the Governor's Club, tell us about that. The Governor's Club, that started as uh, really just basically a, a group of friends and I um, I don't almost, I don't want to say as a joke because that's really kind of discrediting 
I guess what it's become. Right. But it just started as a few friends. We had some older BMWs, older Mercedes, and kind of as a joke, it was like the governor's club, kind of like the country club, yeah, yeah, the yeah. yacht club, the... <laughs> We kind of wanted members to be, only. Sort yeah, of it was yeah. like kind of like an exclusive thing, and we had some stickers made, and we had them on our cars at H two O in two thousand twelve, and we had a lot of people just kind of ask about it, and then it was like, ah, oh, it's a members only thing. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. And yeah. then after a while, more more friends got involved, and then I started a web store, and it was like shirts and stickers at first, and then once I started the laser engraving. Oh business, man, it was like a home run after it, that. It really was because at the time I bought the machine, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of know-how about that, so I used the the Governor's Club audience to like start making goods for the Governor's yeah, Club and was sure. able to sell wooden rearview mirror hangers and key rings and stuff like that. And so that's how that started. And it's kind of snowball affected into just a group of guys, which luckily I can say like around the world. I mean, it's kind of crazy to see guys from all over the place ordering stickers or having the handle in their little bio oh, yeah, on Instagram man. and stuff. I mean, and that's never been any sort of like obligation or whatever to be like a part of it it's right. not really like a membership thing it's just it's, it's been really cool to see like a lot of people kind of get it kind of right. understand that it's an it's an automotive enthusiasm right through and through whether or not you're into volkswagens or hot rods or jdm stuff and yeah and so i think people have like been able to kind of carry that on their own weight it just kind of so it's been fun yeah it, it's very little effort it's it's been cool. It's kind of been a hub for people right. to just kind of hang out. So. It's it's been really cool uh, being in the car scene as long as I have, and I'm sure you've been in it longer, uh, and seeing these brands that have started out as you know, say like a club or a group of friends, and they've just like expanded to a brand. Yeah, exactly. It's been really kind of cool. like what you guys did, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Started out as just a crew of friends. A blog and you know in 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 the same way i don't want to discredit it but you know the name and well, stuff has started out yeah, as yeah. like a little joke yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. Like now Absolutely. it's just a full-on brand i think in order for something to uh to make i don't want to say an impact but in order to like gain the movement that you want it to it almost has to start that organically right to say exactly somebody, uh, you know, it can't of, be forced some of the all. best bands that i yeah. know you listen to too started as a joke yeah and it was exactly. like some friends that started a side project and, and next then, thing you know they're assigned and sometimes label. when you start out like that you, you just have confidence and you're and it's you and but it's, it's organic it's, it's in organic. that sense yeah, yeah exactly. exactly and i think you go forward with like uh, an unmarked confidence i guess yeah and everything you do from there on out is because you're stoked on it. Right. And I think that's contagious in a way. I think kids, especially today with how saturated stuff is with the internet and kids seem to get their uh, motives all twisted up because they see like Instagram followers or something right. and they're like, oh, I'm going to build a car for Instagram or something like that. And it's just not organic. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's very easy to see some people that are like either um, trying to make something happen and it's like a 15 minute thing and it just kind of dies or, right. and, and I'm not saying TGC has risen to any sort of high level or the top, but for me personally, it's just been great to, to hear people's take on it. Yeah. Buying a sticker, buying a shirt, whatever. It's been cool. It's just started as a group of friends and now it's, like what you guys have it, done. Yeah, it's, you know, so, it's, it's super cool. It's, it's to really see that. rewarding. Yeah, yeah. People are into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's crazy because people ask us all or me personally all the time, like, you know, how did you guys get like so big or so well known? And I'm just like, we just did our thing. Uh, like absolutely. it was just, just yeah. it was yeah. I mean, timing had a lot to do with it, but also like just did our own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it just, I think that's the easiest way right. to do it. If if yeah. you're if you're organic about it, it's just you know yeah. it'll it'll just happen. Yeah. So, a lot of people, 
I myself included, don't know this about you, uh, but you do music. Tell us about The Rising Sea. The Rising Sea is a solo project of mine I started in, man, 2009. Seems like forever ago oh, wow. now. I know, that's when Can I Beat started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I've played music most of my life. I started playing guitar when I was in middle school. Uh, no one else in my family at that time played any instruments uh my parents can both sing and and um oh wow can you sing you could sing yeah i i sing yeah yeah, okay. yeah. I, most of all my friends in like the automotive community like don't really know that like <laughs> you said you didn't either but um so i grew up playing music although my father was always into cars and we always had you know cars around and whatever yeah i'd say music was the first like real passion for me so um that yeah, came right. before the cars yeah it, for the most part. For the most I mean, part. I was born in a garage, basically. My dad was always wrenching on <laughs> yeah. stuff. But um, as far as my first venture on my own, it was music. So The Rising Sea is the latest project that I've started. And it's been a solo venture. And basically because of time and my obligations elsewhere, the solo project was the best place that music could rest for me because it got attention when I could give it attention. So I've... I've been working on an album, yeah, for since 2009 now, and I've oh, put out okay. some demos on SoundCloud. That's easy enough, soundcloud.com slash the rising sea. <laughs> That's another plug for that. <laughs> but, Love uh, the plugs. It's all like unfinished demos, basically. So I've slowly been putting out stuff, but you're your own worst critic half the time. I look at stuff and I'm like, nah, I don't want to finish that. I don't right. wanna, I'll redo it. So I just keep posting like unfinished demos or something. Sooner or later, I'm going to press an album and I'll get it done. Um, I think this winter, I keep blowing smoke. Every winter I say, this winter I'm going to hibernate yeah. and finish something. I think I'm going to work on it pretty hard this winter. Isn't it crazy that with any sort of art, whether it's making, engraving, like laser engraving like you, or like design like I do, or just or music, like, you know, anything, it's we are our own worst critics. Absolutely. We, we yeah. notice everything. And people yeah. will be like, that's so tight, man. That's awesome. Like, I love your, what you're doing. And then with cars too, you're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. But I think... I think because of that, it just after some you... after some time of like almost realizing that, I've been able to take a step back and almost put myself in someone else's shoes, and not to like, not to like take a step back and then not follow through with something, but yeah. to almost say, you know what, I think I'm being a little bit too, like, concerned about how this is gonna come out, yeah. or a little bit too detailed, or right, yeah. micromanaging myself in a way. So it's with tough, music, man. I had to learn that with music because I'd never finish anything. So the more I listened to a song, then I started mixing it or something. And it was always like, no, 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 delete, 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 control Z, <laughs> control Z, whatever. And uh, it, yeah, I think it helped me a step back and say, you know what? I think that's yeah. good enough or something. So I, I, I use, I tried to use the glass half full yeah, yeah. kind of mentality about that. I've, I've never really, I mean, I've never made music. I'm not a musician, but I can only imagine that like once a song is done, it's, done it's out there it's crazy because i almost no, feel the opposite way because yeah. when, when it's done especially if you've been in the studio for a while and you get the thing done and it's all mastered and you're you're excited you're stoked on your on your product but the more i'd listen to it in the car or something i'm like oh we should have <laughs> done that or we should have like transitioned this way yeah. or something but i think that's cool because every you know how many bands do you know that came out with like or you saw them live and they played a, one of your favorite songs like a different way. And you're yeah, like, oh, like, oh, everybody my God. freaks out and they're like, you've never heard it that way. So, yeah, they'll like drag out an intro or or or, or, or like yeah. have a different outro or something. Or use the name of the city they're in. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. They so replace think, a, a, a word in the song or something. It. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I, when it's pressed, it's like almost in stone in in that sense, I yeah. guess. But yeah, you can always go back and critique stuff. And yeah, I think it's a moldable thing yeah. for sure. So when you uh, come out with this album, are you going to do like a physical copy or is it just going to be all digital? I really, I mean, I just, I don't want to say I'm an old soul, but I just really, really love to do something on vinyl. Oh, Certainly yeah. on CD, but vinyl would be fun. Maybe with a friend's band, do a split EP or something right. like that. Something simple. Like I've on always, a seven inch or a yeah, ten inch. Or, and and yeah. with the Rising Sea, I've always been into um, like themed albums and stuff. So I think this next EP, um, it's it's kind of nautically based. Um, it's like a theme. So I, it, the whole thing almost has like each album I do with the Rising Sea yeah. is gonna like almost correlate to the one previous. Gotcha. So the whole the whole. It's like one long The whole project story. is a theme yeah. project. Yeah. Cool, sure. man. So I'm excited about it. So tell us about your studio, your music studio. It's pretty simple. It's nothing uh, too professional, but it's it's enough for me to pre-pro a lot of stuff, to write, to record, to lay stuff down. Um, I'm not sure if, it, if it'd be something. I'd probably put out like a vinyl EP with what I have at yeah. my disposal in my studio, I guess. Um, but you would get obviously outsourced the press device. I probably would. Yeah, 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 yeah. recording wise, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like I said, it's nothing too professional. But it's enough to where I've learned to use what I have to the best of my ability and put out something that's. I don't know. Sounds all right, I guess. Yeah. Even though I'm my own worst critic, sometimes I'll get something done and I'm like, yeah, that's good enough, I guess. That feels good. But yeah, man, I'm totally with you on the uh, on the making a physical copy. I feel like that just has a lot more. Meaning. You have to. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm a big vinyl collector, as I'm sure everybody who follows me knows, and I just I have to have something physical. Who, who made your record dividers, <laughs> dude? Those you are so cool! Yeah, oh thanks, my god, that was amazing. That was your idea, though. So I'm glad we could make something happen, dude. I hope you like make that for someone else, because like I look at them trying. all the time, and I'm just like, every record collector needs these. So for anybody who doesn't know, John made me these really cool record dividers. And they have these really cool tabs and, you know, obviously like A to, you know, B yeah, to C yeah, or whatever. Order, and, it, yeah. and it just like gradually goes down until it's at the bottom. And it's just, because before I was like flipping through my records and I'm just like, where am I again? So when you're looking for your Have Heart album, you can go to H. <laughs> H. Yeah. See, another plug. G, guns up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So, you, so you've been doing a handful of car show trophies, including first class fitment. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Trophies. <laughs> Thank you again. Yeah, uh, what are what are other uh, car shows that you have collaborated with or car companies as well? Um, as far as the trophies are concerned, uh, yeah, this is the second year I've had the opportunity to work with you guys and uh, and do some of the, the smaller awards for First Class Fitment. Um, I've worked with uh, Jay and Carlos from Players in England and been uh, able to travel there for a few summers. One year, I've, I've helped them make the awards in collaboration with Airlift. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they give out an airbag and I made like a laser engraved wooden topper so cool. with their logo and stuff. So that was really cool because the whole vibe of that show is just incredible because they hold it at Goodwood at the motor circuit. That's a historically significant racetrack. Dude, so, that is like the show. So being a, it really is. I mean, being a, um, an automotive enthusiast through and through, just being at that racetrack and at that venue was just a massive bucket list. How, for me. how many years have you gone? Uh, three years three now. Three years. Okay. Yeah, three years. Cool. Um, so they like fly you out and you go out there. And no, stuff, I mean it's just... all on my accord. Oh, but, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's it's been it's it's been great to just at least work with them right. in any way, basically, to be involved in the show um, and not just be there. Dude, so many awesome cars go to that. It's show. a great it's show. Yeah. Um, and that is like the show that I would go to if I went to like. Totally Europe. worth it. Yeah, yeah for totally sure. worth it. Um, and a few other ones here in in the country have been um, 
have been uh, Eurobuilt, which uh, my friend Scott puts on. Okay. Uh, that's in Vermont. I made some awards uh, for that show this year. Um, I know there's a few more yeah. and on the spot. You've done stuff for like Rotiform, yeah? Like uh, Some other key yeah, rings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made some other key rings for Jason and Brian and those guys. Um, cool dudes. <laughs> and uh, another plug for Rotiform. <laughs> um, it's been great. I mean, there's, and it's honestly, it's, I've only been doing this for a year and a half now. And it's yeah, I was just already like hard long, to think right? about the people I've worked with. And it would I should have had a list drawn out, but it's been great working with so many uh, great people yeah. from all walks of life and all different corners of the globe, basically. For I mean, I, I made some review mirror hangers for a show called uh, Reckon Meet, and I hope somebody in Japan watches <laughs> this. Reckon Meet, we made some uh, some like review mirror hanger awards for their car club and stuff, and that was really cool because I'm all about like the the Japanese scene yeah, there man. too. So it's, it's really cool to be involved. So in many that. different you know car scenes around the world it's super cool yeah and the internet is yeah it's all helped bring all that together yeah so man it's super good. cool yeah so you speaking of car show trophies h2o uh you did you did a couple i mean obviously as we all know the show didn't happen this year so you took yeah. matters into your own hands and did your own trophies tell us about that so my good friend robert Oferhauser from uh Luf technic which is a porsche parts and service shop in richmond virginia um him and I had been talking for the last few years of doing some sort of like unofficial strip award or strip king award. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. like cruises the strip. Um, it's clear now at this point that there's a lot of people that show up in Ocean City that don't attend H2O, the yeah. Volkswagen Audi specific yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. The outcasts. <laughs> exactly. And uh, everybody's got their own opinion about that. I mean, I really just enjoy going down there, seeing friends, eating seafood, cruising the Strip. Oh, I've been yeah. down there in Volkswagens. I've been down there in other European cars, Mercedes, BMWs, my Chevrolet, the yeah, Corvair. Yeah. I've had that down there. So uh, I'm not brand loyal to one or the other, but we always talked about doing like a Strip King Award, and we never made it happen. And yeah. after the official show was canceled, within a couple weeks of the dates, Robert called me and said, this is the year we got to do it because there's no actual show. Yeah, it just These makes sense. These people still going. There's people that are bummed out that are canceling their condos. What can we do? And I said, let's whip something up. Man, you know? for so, anyone who canceled their condos, man, like they missed out. That was fun. It was a good year. I had a, no I had rain. A blast, it was man. a good year. I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff floating around the internet. A lot of the people of Ocean City are complaining and they say it was the worst yet. But I honestly on, thought it was not that. I mean, being I mean, on the ground level, I, I mean, it's... And getting along with local law enforcement and stuff and, and not being that tension or adding to that tension. We've always had such a good time down there. Yeah. And we've always had a good time talking to local business owners and the local law enforcement. I can only imagine that the businesses get so much money. They do. And they'll argue that like the cruising weeks and the bike weeks and stuff bring more. And maybe they do. But at that point in the year, having it's thirty it's, or 40,000 people show up to your town. It's better than is, when it's dead. Yeah, so yeah. so with the awards, we really just kind of we didn't want to take any sort of uh, uh, some like limelight for that. We almost just wanted to like recognize the people yeah. that come down to hang out with friends and bring their cars. Yeah, to, to bring their cars. I mean, I drove my 1981 BMW 13 <laughs> hours there for no legitimate show. Right. So, it and and the support that we got, the outweighing support of everybody saying, "Hey, it's great that what you guys did. It made it all worth it." I mean, yeah. being able to. We were basically giving trophies to people on the side of the street saying, hey, you you've, go. got, you've got the best Porsche here or whatever, you know, and and and, and so people seem to like really kind of, it was like a fun grassroots kind of feel yeah. to it. It was all like Instagram based and- That's awesome. Yeah, what fun. what categories did you guys have? I won't remember them all off the top of my head, but we did like 12 
Oh wow! It was like best. So it was a handful. I made all the awards. Like yeah, like they came out until, good. Thank you. It was up until like the last day before we left. We were putting them all together, and I think we did best Volkswagen, Audi, BMW, Porsche, American, best bucket, best engine, and a J. Did you guys have like a JDM? Best JDM. Yeah. Um, VIP maybe. I don't know. I'm just. It was JDM, yeah. and it was. Um, then I think Strip King. Oh, okay. And, and then so we did like some basics. We wanted to. Was it was there ones. like a female one? Too? Yeah, best okay. lady owned. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. We we, we didn't want to exclude the ladies. You know, we know. Plenty <laughs> yeah, because I remember you made a a post about the winner for that one or something. Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. name's Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly Sti. I think is her Instagram. Okay, handle. cool, There's cool, cool. Plug there, so <laughs> she had a really cool uh, bagged Subaru Umbrellas and. And, and at first, we didn't want to just give the award out to just any, like the first girl we saw that was driving Right, uh, a you car. just had to like, you know, monitor and yeah, scope and we, everything out. Yeah, we saw her getting into the driver's seat of her car at one of the parking lot meets, and I just kind of approached her and just kind of told her what we were doing and, and just kind of wanted to talk to, about her car a little bit. And the more we talked to her, the more we realized she knew just as much, if not more, about cars than we did. Right. And was just, you could tell she was a genuine enthusiast. Yeah. So it was really, it made it more rewarding. So it was very go, oh, well deserving. Yeah, absolutely. That's so it, awesome. it was fun. And it, it got us in touch with people that we normally probably wouldn't have ever yeah. talked to. So being at the ground floor, at the ground level, we were like there with the people. That's awesome. You know, and it That's almost, what it's all about. A lot of people felt abandoned because of the whole cancellation and stuff. And and to leave that whole thing aside, we just wanted to yeah. be involved with everybody that was still coming. So yeah, it was good. Man. It was good. good yeah, year. it was a great weekend. Yeah. I had a blast. Yeah, worth it. What uh, what number eight show was that for you? Or when did you start going? Two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah, I, we oh, we started years, going seven two, years. We started going the year after two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years, I guess. From yeah. Now. Yeah. It's crazy. Man. Always worth it. I always tell everyone, man, like if you haven't done an H two O, like I feel you gotta bad do it. for you. It's getting crazier, that's yeah. for sure. But it's it's worth it. It's and it's crazy time. that a lot of people on the West Coast do not know about H two O. I got a you know, you know a couple guys from the like the Pacific Northwest will come out. A lot of guys from England. Yeah. Victor from Russia. What's up, Victor? We'll get him on. <laughs> watch this. Victor flew all the way from Russia. From Moscow, what do, you, what do you think? We gave him farthest traveled. Oh yeah, I think that one was easy. What did What did he think though? Did he tell oh, you? Oh, he, loves, he, it. he yeah, loves it. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah, I mean, he drives his RS6 Avant like all over Europe. He drives it to England from Moscow, so that dude's that a, a traveler. Cool. So it's just so cool. I mean, there was no official show, and these people are flying from I Russia know, right? over. You know, I mean, what an opportunity to like meet so many people down and there. And there seriously isn't anything like it. It's right. Yeah, absolutely. I completely. I mean, agree. So someone can argue that Soa was like that, but like you couldn't really strip down. It's totally different, though. You I couldn't mean, it's, strip it's, down. You couldn't like ride down the strip. Like you true. couldn't cruise. At I mean, all. And, I mean, and that's. I mean, I'd say in that sense, Ocean City's. Yeah, more you're near open, a beach. It, the vibes are cool. Like, I mean, Soa was awesome. Not describing. I did three. Solo. I did three solos and had a chance to talk to Matt Bounds and, yeah. and all, some more of the people that were involved with that show. And it's a whole different animal. Yeah, yeah you're in this tight little town in the and middle of the mountains. it's super cool, but it's, it's amazing. I, yeah. Everyone used to always compare the two. And it was just so tough for me to it. make any more because, I mean, I drove my Corvair there and that's a 1965 car. Dude, how far was that That drive? was about 30 hours. Yeah, and I drove by myself in that car. That was his, <laughs> that was his first time back on the road in 40 years. So so it's like, I've wait, got like... Wait, one, one way or... Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I Duh. went, I didn't go straight as the crow flies. I went out to Nashville, Tennessee first. Oh, I kind of okay. went around about way. But okay. Did you do tail the dragon on the way? Or? I didn't. No. You didn't? Okay. no, I didn't even dare take my car down that road. <laughs> I probably wouldn't that come back. That is crazy, man. <laughs> but so, so I, yeah, I have like an intimate relationship with Solo, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I drove a few different cars that far. And it's just, I wish I could go every year that they were holding it, but it is just so far from yeah. New Hampshire. You know, I'm up in New Hampshire. So that's, at least a 20 hour drive in a normal car. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, Soul was a totally different animal, but almost met its demise in one way or another because of what's happening. At yeah. HL. Just just a lot yeah. of riffraff and, and the local government just couldn't like really put up with it. So Unfortunately for me, I only did one solo, but I had a blast. We should get a one done. Yeah, it was yeah, literally the done, last yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was sad. Yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> Super cool. So I know you said you you don't have oh actually first of all, uh before we, we get into into more about the laser stuff, um, since we're on the c- category of H2O, you also did keychains, right? You were selling keychains? Yeah, yeah, tell, yeah, us, for, tell us about that. At H two O. Yeah. Um so we've done some governors club meets each year at H two O for the last few years now. And since I've started the laser engraving business, I've done a year specific keyring for our TGC meet. So last year we did some wooden ones with the year 2016 on them and stuff. And that seemed to, people seemed to love them. And so for this year, I wanted to kind of keep following suit with that. Yeah. And we did some 2017 ones and um, they were a double-sided leather, That's super uh, genuine cool. leather key ring. And, and um, I made a hundred of them and thought it was overkill. You know, I shut my shop down for a day to <laughs> make these things. And um, I, I promoted them before we left for H2O, but once we got down in Ocean City on that Wednesday, yeah. I didn't post another thing about them and they were gone by Thursday. Wow. And so I started a pre-order by Friday and there was over a hundred pre-ordered by the end of the weekend. So I realized that I probably should have just manned up and made a few hundred of those wow. things. So it was great. That's I mean, awesome, overwhelming man. support for what we were doing. Yeah, they turned out really cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah they it was, turned it was out good. really good. Good time. How, so how do you get, I know you said you don't have a design background, uh, but where do you get like your inspiration for like new items or even like the shapes of your keychains and all that stuff? Because I, I, you know, I, I took the time to, to to look at your. I mean, I'm always looking at your Instagram because I follow you. But I always see that you know all the stuff you're doing, and I'm just like, wow, man! Like, where does all your inspiration come from? I don't think I can take too much credit for all of it because a lot of the stuff that I commission make is other people's designs right and basically what i do is i critique it but, to the but you're like pumping out stuff for like the governor's club that's yeah like, yeah, yeah. That, that's what i'm saying like yeah you, you, i feel like when you make stuff for like the governor's club it, it, you're sort of trying out something new usually i am yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. that's where i kind of yeah, it'll be like a new medium that. or something or yeah. a new material and and uh I don't know where that inspiration comes from. I do a lot of like poking around on the internet, a lot of Etsy stuff. Oh, I don't yeah. have an Etsy store, but a lot of people make really cool stuff on Etsy. Oh, so yeah. I'll float around there just to kind of gain inspiration for different stuff because not it's... having a, a, a formal graphic design background, I almost need that uh, that visual to kind of help right. get the ball rolling. Yeah, kind of Pinterest thing, so. is also really cool yeah, for absolutely. that. Or, or yep. you know, like yep. Dribble or any of those cool yep. sites like that. Yeah, it helps for yeah. sure. I mean, I feel like with any art you do, you always have to just like dive in and get in that mode and, yeah. and, and, and inspire yourself and just kind of get, you know, in that mindset of, of what it's you want to do It's easy to have first. something up here and then once you get it, something tangible, written out, drawn out on the computer, it's easy to see stuff take, you know, or, or come to fruition right. one way or another. Yeah. So yeah, it, it helps to just at least just get going on something. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so um, cars, man. Tell us how you first got into them. My father, that one's easy. He uh, He's always been a, a GM, a General Motors muscle car guy. So he's always, I grew up always around like a late 60s Camaro or a late 60s Chevelle A-body cars. Um, he collected early C1 and C2 Corvettes before I was born and stuff. Oh, so, he, wow. so I was always around like GM stuff. And although that was the first taste of automotive like passion that I was kind of exposed to, yeah, he raced... Um, he circle track raced a Volkswagen Rabbit, yeah. a Mark One Rabbit, when I was a kid, and that that was the other half of like the automotive like building blocks of my childhood. And then be, when I became a teenager and got my license and was ready to buy my first car, 
the Volkswagen Rabbit was way more uh, um, affordable than the <laughs> SSRS Camaro oh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And and that that correlated with the the European car community. You know, everybody that was driving a Rabbit was waving to each other, and yeah. it's like it's like wow, this is like part of like a cool little like unknown club kind of yeah. thing. So that's what kind of got me started in the European car end of things. So so that's kind of where it started. My dad just working on cars. He owned an automotive business and um and he was the enabler for sure and, oh, wow. and that's who i um that's who i currently work on all my projects with so we that's work cool. out of his hobby shop and um it's nothing professional or um uh business i should say it's not like it's something that we do for other people but uh it's been great to grow up and uh and build cars with my dad it's that's great. awesome yeah man. That's awesome. And you said your dad's like semi-retired now i remember you were talking i call about it semi-retired <laughs> yeah he'll call it semi-retired um yeah, he, I mean, he ran his own business for years. He ran a towing company for like 35, 40 years as well. And um, always in motion, just can't stop or slow down. So yeah. even though he's kind of retired from that end of his life, he's recently, you know, been kind of developing properties and just kind of trying to stay busy. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, nothing major, but just stuff up in my small town in New Hampshire, you know, and, and uh, invested in a four by eight foot uh, CNC plasma cutter and stuff. So he's been doing some fabrication work on the side, but that's stuff he really enjoys doing. So it's kind of like retirement, but you get paid for it. Yeah. Isn't that the dream? Yeah, I, I know, so. right? That <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm working for yeah. right now and I'm only 32. And so. you would say you get like your your work ethic and your a lot of stuff from your dad. Absolutely, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. My my family's definitely a family of, uh, of, of hard workers yeah. for sure, you know. And, and early risers. That's it, early <laughs> risers. A little bit of coffee, doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Take your vitamins. <laughs> so, so your cars, man, the Corvair and the 735, tell, tell us about them. Long story short, because I'm sure they could be long stories, uh, <laughs> both cars were kind of forgotten when I found them. They kind of had, had passed their prime, I guess you could say. They'd been sitting for a while and kind of left for dead. They were both on Craigslist. Uh, the Corvair had sat for over 40 years in one spot, so that one was long dead and wow. um, was headed to the scrapyard, and we basically saved it and, and did what we did with it. And um, the 735 was owned by the Consul General of Turkey. And that was a Whoa. diplomatic car. And uh, wow. it's a British market car. He bought it in Southampton at Southampton BMW in 1981 and had a house in Montreal. So when he retired, he shipped the car back to Montreal. And then they got their citizenship, moved into Vermont. That's how the car followed him here. And it ultimately was on Craigslist uh, from the second owner. And that's who I bought that off of. And so, yeah, both those cars are two totally different ends of the spectrum as far as the automotive spectrum is concerned. One's in a rusty American relic and the other is kind of like a nicer, nice paint, yeah. you know, European car. But um, I got a few other projects on the burner right now that have kind of been stressing me out lately, but uh, we're working on a 1952 uh, Chevrolet cab over, like a full blown cool. road tractor. You and your dad, or my father yeah. and I. Yeah, this is one of my projects, but couldn't be possible without his work. That's and awesome. His help for sure. But that rig is going to haul my Corvair. It's like a long wheelbase dually. Oh, we've wow. got that bag. You're gonna take it to shows and stuff. Oh right? yeah, it's, we've got a 12 valve Cummins turbo diesel in it, and um, Aeroth Performance is is uh, you know we're doing Aeroth Performance in all the cars on that. So the Corvair is gonna ride on the back of it. It's gonna be a, a hauler. Oh cool. And on the other side, this winter we're diving into a 1960 BMW 700 that I just bought. Oh cool. That's wow. a pretty rare car. It's a German oh, imported super car. Super rare. Yeah. And um. We've got a lot of really cool stuff on on the table for that car. I haven't like told too many people. I've kind of like posted a few teasers that we've got the car, but I think we're gonna put it over a beetle pan. We're gonna bag it. We're gonna nice. do some like kind of like. Where did you stuff. find it? That was in the woods. I think that one technically had been in the woods for almost fifty years. Wow. I mean, it's like pretty. Internet insane. find, yeah. No, that was just 
a, guy, a local guy near me that has a bunch of BMWs out behind his wow. house, and I never knew he had he had two 700s, what? and we were able to get both of them out of there. Wow. Yeah, so that was that was like an incredible find. Almost like sends goosebumps, you know, down your skin basically when you find something like wow. that sitting. There's trees growing in it, and it's like we can save that. <laughs> we you, can, yeah. He looks at us like we've got two heads, you know, and he's wow. like, yeah. So anyway, so that's what's on the burner right now. That's so. super cool. So as far as I'm concerned, the the 735 and the uh, the Corvair are kind of like done. I just yeah. drive them, they're done, and we're going to work on these other cars too. That's super cool. Uh, so I know you've had, uh, in your in your previous build, you've had some creative air, air ride controllers. Um, tell us about some of, you know, the ones you've had and your inspirations and what are you currently running now? I think the first car, the first car I did on air suspension was my 1960 Mercedes, that yeah. Fintel, <clears throat> and uh, I hid the uh, the air ride controls in a 1942 Argus 35 millimeter camera. And the whole idea behind that was to kind of have something period correct in the car oh, that yeah. operated the air suspension, so it wasn't like a digital controller or something like that. Something that yeah, we just throw place. it all off. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So that was the overall idea of that. And then I I did. A 1985 Mercedes 190 on air suspension, and hid the controls in a 1970s-ish kind of period correct Agfa camera. So kind of followed the same idea with that car, and then with the BMW, um, I'd always wanted to do a flagship car with a car phone as the air ride controller. Oh wow! And the right car never came along, and then this car came along with diplomatic history, and I'm like, this is the one. Guy so, has to be so we put the air ride controls in a in a proper like 1980s car phone. That's super cool. So that was pretty fun. Was so. that was that a challenge at all, or were you just like, I got this? It was a challenge. My friend Mo Collins at uh, Mobile Electronic Solutions is another plug for you. <laughs> he um he was instrumental in helping me like get all of the new circuit boards and like wiring inside the phone all right. sorted because we kept the factory leader cord off the phone, so everything looked factory inside the car wow so um although i have done some wiring and soldering and all that sort of stuff uh he was he was really good at uh he's it's, that's just his job he's into that stuff every day yeah and so he was instrumental in uh helping me get that thing sorted we illuminated it red to match the red cabin illumination and stuff and uh tried to be as detailed as possible yeah so that was a fun yeah fun dude project. i saw that and i was like wow that is so <laughs> like, cool. i'm sure other people maybe other people have done it before but it's something i wanted to do for like the last i don't know eight years yeah. or so and finally the right car fell in my lap and i said this is that's the one. super yeah, cool it was fun it was fun so obviously you know you like to gravitate towards older cars do you ever see yourself building something like super new or is that just not your thing well i don't know i I think I know myself too well and the amount of car ADD, I guess you could call it, that I have. Yeah. And I think if I had a new car and I was locked into a payment or something like that, oh, I'd yeah. feel trapped. Yeah. And I think after a few months or maybe a few years, whatever, <laughs> I'd get I'd get nervous about being locked into this car for however many, many more years I had to pay it off for. So yeah, and they I, like depreciate so I love fast. new cars. I really do. I, I love seeing like, you know, at SEMA, there's like the, the first guys that have like body dropped the new Chevy Duramax or something. It's like, right. that's awesome. But it's a $90,000 truck and it's like, so I see new stuff as like, it's awesome to see other people chart that or brave that uncharted territory. Yeah. For me, I think the old stuff is within my budget. It's like cheaper to buy, takes a little bit more and they work just to have get more going. character. I think so. Yeah, I think they have, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say more presence than a new car because each car speaks for itself in one way or another. But I think the old stuff, it's almost cool to like, preserve them in a way yeah you know, where somebody has kind of saving like given up on them yeah and, you kind of, and there's yeah. trees growing out of them. that yeah sometimes that's a little more i think i bit off a little more than i could chew on some parts but we'll see <laughs> but yeah 
Yeah, so maybe not a new car. Yeah. I wouldn't mind dailying one because, you know, it's more than likely going to start on that oh, yeah. negative zero <laughs> degree. Dude, it gets cold up there. We're in New Hampshire. Yeah, it's pretty cold up there. And what is it? Mid-October now? It's almost over. Oh. There's going to be snow on the ground soon. That We're gonna be is insane. Snow. Yeah. I try to travel as far south and as far west as I can in the winters. <laughs> Try to migrate. What's it like living there? I obviously I've never been there, so I mean, what's it like? It's great. I mean, it really is. Like we complain about the cold, we complain about the warm, we complain <laughs> about. I mean, we're New Englanders. We kind of complain about everything, but all in all, we see what's happening in around not just the country, but but the world right now. I mean, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, the fires is, in California, is, the like tornadoes in the someone's Midwest. Someone's playing like Jumanji or it's something. It's crazy. So. In New Hampshire, man, we're like sheltered from all that crazy stuff. We don't have earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes. Uh, we don't have like massive fire, like forest fires. I mean, all that stuff is capable of happening in New Hampshire. Right. But for the most part, you know, I, and I, I have to remind myself that. And, and it's too bad that sometimes it's out of tragedy somewhere else where you have to like really kind of put it yeah. in perspective. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be pissed when I'm, you know, shoveling a bunch of snow. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad, for that drop. If you guys are listening to this, but <laughs> I, I, to like to like be shoveling snow all winter long. Um, but it's really I love being close to family. Yeah, uh, my grandparents live close by. My parents are close by. Um, I'll put awesome. up with the snow to be where I am yeah. in a safe environment near family. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think as I've been getting older, I've I've been uh, migrating back home a little yeah. bit more, even mentally. So yeah, yeah man, I, I live like 30 minutes away from my parents and I feel like that's so far. Yeah. Right. I feel yeah. like I'm like, man, I wish I, I can was walk closer. to my parents' house from my house just, <laughs> just up the street. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that you say that about, about where you live. Like you guys don't get like bad stuff. I feel like it's like that where I live too. And like next to DC, like no earthquakes, no nothing right. crazy. Yeah. I think the East coast, with the exception of like the far South and some of the hurricanes and stuff that we've Florida. been seeing. Like, yeah. It's, it's, but most of the East coast is a, basically moderate place to live yeah yeah it's not gonna like float away like you know <laughs> arizona bay like california yeah yeah oh man okay so i know we were just on the topic of cars so i i have to know like what's your dream car man that's like trying to ask you who your favorite band is i mean maybe that's an easy answer for you but no that's you know, a like, tough one yeah i couldn't answer that one either um as far as cars are concerned you know i think i saw I think I saw my dream car at Amelia Island this year in Florida. Oh yeah, in, in person. That was a that was a real treat. And Mercedes. You brought, were there on vacation. I went down for the uh, for the concourse, the elegance, like oh, the, okay. uh, the cars and coffee meet and all that stuff. And and um, I went down with the Wolf Technic guys from Richmond, Virginia. And Mercedes brought out, um, they brought out one of their W one ninety four like gull wings, but yeah. one of like the first ones, like one of the first ones they oh, actually wow. designed. And. I mean, I, I've heard crazy rumors that it's like insured for over a hundred million dollars or whatever, and wow. it's like right there with no ropes around it, and like, someone can just go up there and just like. Well, they had the doors it. open. I leaned in and I had to grab the steering wheel. I was like, "This is crazy." Like, I have uh... that tangible connection with that car, but that those are on un unobtainable cars. So I think as far as a dream car, more down to earth in reality. Um, I feel like I'm driving a few of them. Oh yeah, I think I am. The yeah, Corvair. I drive the Corvair and the BMW, and I can't imagine like I. I get giddy thinking about driving that little 700 slammed on the ground and right. that 52 cab over. So I think I'm living it. Yeah, I like man. It. Yeah, you know. How like, do you I decide think... which one you take to a show? Whichever one isn't broken. <laughs> that one's pretty easy. Which one breaks more? The Corvair is not running right now either. That needs to go in the shop too. It's like, yeah, the old stuff, you know? Yeah. The old Have you taken like... the Corvair to a show this year? Oh, yeah. 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 A few different shows around the Northeast. And oh, okay. Stuff. But and, not uh, like anything far. Nothing too far this year. No. We The actual last run I had with that car, 
I drove it down to Boston, which is like two hours, to the Neko Candy Factory, like the old rundown factory yeah. right in South Boston, or part of Boston. I don't know, Boston people are gonna be mad at me if it's not in South Boston. <laughs> Either way, to the Neko Candy Factory. And my friend Dan Crosley photographed it on film uh, for Rusty's magazine, which is which is out of Europe. Oh, cool! And um, it's a like 150 page coffee table style magazine, and they're putting it on the cover, which is pretty crazy. Wow. So they're doing a feature with the car. They're putting it on the cover, but Dan shot it in film, which I think is the coolest That's thing. Super cool. Not a lot of magazines like are really willing to work with film. Where did he shoot it? Like location wise. At the Neko Candy Factory. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's at South Boston or not, but it's in Boston. Oh, okay, okay. And um, yeah, it um, that was kind of the cool thing for the summer, I guess. Like, even though the car kind of barely made it home and it's been kind of sitting since, but yeah, not too many car shows this year, but notably was able to take it out of town and shoot it for a magazine. So that's I was awesome. Really eager to see that in print. That's super cool. Yeah. What well, is it? Um, are they are they distributing like a lot of those or? I'm not sure if they're coming stateside, but I'm gonna try to get my hands on a stack. Yeah, that's super cool. Sure. Yeah, that's it's awesome. like a newer magazine that they're on their like second or third issue now. Cool man. So yeah, pretty and, exciting. Yeah, speaking of like of like, traveling and shows and stuff, you're going to Simplicon this year, right? Oh boy, Nikolai, if you're listening to this, I hope so. <laughs> I, I I was literally just thinking about this, and I would, I mean I, I might try to go. It it's been I've gone the last two years three years maybe I, f- I flew down one or two years and then last year my f- friend Frank and I trailered a couple of our cars down and um, that's a long haul it's about 30 it's, hours yeah. from us with a trailer you know? I've and, never driven there I've, o- o- I've only flown there and I think I've gone there two or three years in a row but it's been a couple years yeah and i we and might I go i want to go we might go Again. i mean it's it's the last who raw for the season exactly winter's right around the corner for us and so it's kind of like the last dosage of like yeah car would, would you ever just fly just to go hang out or do you i've like done that a couple to, years yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah 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 which i might do this year yeah. possibly so that, that drive is brutal man it is yeah. for you for you yeah, yeah. yeah. me too <laughs> long and tedious yeah, yeah for sure but That's we'll see what happens maybe yeah i i feel like may not nothing really going on in november so yeah yeah. yeah, just winter preparation for us. Yeah, I know. That's about it. Man. Yeah. So, um, been told you once were a professional BMXer, BMX rider. Uh, when and, you know, how, how old are you? And to just tell us about that. So BMX was, yeah, BMX was another, I guess, childhood passion. I mean, it, what kid wasn't in his backyard right. jumping tires with his bicycle? If they had to room to or whatever. But I was one of those kids jumping tires and jumping stuff. And how many tires can you line up? And and that became like a late childhood dream of mine was to like, not that I was aspiring to be a professional BMXer, but it was always like, you'd watch the pros in the videos and like, wow, that's awesome. They get to do that for a living and it's crazy. And then for that to actually come true uh, right outside of high school was just an incredible yeah, that's just like turn of events. Yeah, that's like everyone's dream, man. And it was, it was so crazy because it, it was such an organic thing that happened. And honestly, the first... My first pro sponsorship was in 2000, late 2004, going into 2005. Okay. And it was a company called The Take. And they're made in-house in the USA here, out of Binghamton, New York. And I was just traveling out to Binghamton to this this iconic skate park that was out there. And we'd just go out with some friends and we'd just ride. And unbeknownst to us, the guys who ran the company were always at that skate park. And they saw us riding and they notably saw me riding. And uh, we just started a relationship as far as these guys that out in New York, we like riding with them, and yeah, and it was funny because they slowly started picking my brain about what I liked in frame geometry on my bike, and they're like, you know, what do you like for like, and you know, this and that, and I told them well, I like a steep head tube and I like this and that <laughs> and the other thing. Next thing I know, they post on their website that their new street frame was now done and the prototype was finished, and they're sending it to my house. Wow! And it was like all like a secret. They like didn't tell me. They just like 
I called them right away and I'm like, you didn't tell me you were gonna be giving me this frame. And they're like, yeah, we wanted to see how often you check the website. Wow. Because if I never check the website, like, so that's you your, guys like, not gonna send it So to that me. was your like, your sponsor now? First pro sponsorship, wow. yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then from there, it was almost like anything else where you kind of get your foot in the door and now you're traveling, you're doing a lot of things. And so over the years, I rode for a few different companies and it was from basically 04 to like 2010, 2011, early 2011. Okay. And, um, I just kind of slowly faded out of it. It was a dream come true. It was a wild ride. It was super fun. Um, you know, wasn't a high-end pro rider. I didn't make like a ton of money or anything like that, but a dream come true nonetheless. Yeah. I would do it all over again. Um, got to meet some of the best people I've ever met. Got to travel and see places that I never thought I'd get to see. And and it was um, it was super, super fun. It was. I'm paying the price for it now, physically, you know, from different injuries Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I got some, you know, got some teeth you know, screwed into my skull wow. and you know separated shoulders concussions but really not so bad in comparison to some of the yeah. other guys i know some of the other boys you know some boys putting wheelchairs and it's wow. crazy you know so uh, i'm grateful that i was able to live that for a little bit and i still ride but i was able to do that professionally and um and design a frame design a signature frame and, and a few other like signature products and stuff and that was just culture shock it was yeah. just so crazy because all the boys from the big city were the ones that were um, and here or notably, you are like, from like yeah, 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 from a small town, yeah. So it was almost like the other guys were waiting their turn in line to like GoPro or something. And this was before Instagram and and all that sort of stuff. So it was like harder. I almost think you almost had to travel to be exposed right. to other guys and stuff. So yeah. like I said, I still ride. I love riding. It, it's it's been. How amazing. often do you do it now? I'd say on average maybe once a month. It's really not that much anymore, but yeah, isn't uh, it life's crazy? been so busy lately yeah, that I know. it's that's just how, been hard to take the time. That's to how do I am it. with cycling. Like yeah. I can only just go out maybe yeah. like, you know, a couple times a month now at this point. Yeah. I, I remember at one point in time riding like trying to ride like every day. Yeah. And it's just it's yeah. hard. Like just life yeah. happens. I realized how out of shape I've become. I'll ride for fifteen, twenty minutes and I'm sore for three days. You yeah. know, and I used to ride eight, ten hours a day, you know, and not it's, think twice about it. It's like it, so. physical sports like that you you can like feel hold yeah. you are. Well that's why I, how that's why I said earlier in the in the conversation that like I stretch every morning now. It's like cause I kinda have to, you know, I've been beat up a little bit. So I, I, what, I try what, to, what's the worst injury you had uh with BMXing? The longest lasting has probably been my shoulder separation because oh, I still kind of wow. deal with that now a little bit. I'm not in constant pain, but it's not as strong as my right shoulder and all well, that. It just like dislocates is what you're saying? Or? It doesn't. No, it's not one of those deals. I separated my AC joint Oh, okay. and, and it just hasn't quite gotten back to 100%. That's all. It doesn't give me grief every day, but if I sleep on it wrong or something, oh, the next, couple of, days, the next couple of days, the next couple days suck, yeah. But um, I, think, I think when I'm... When I knocked my teeth out, that was pretty rugged too. That was that was in California. How many of them did you not, like? Tell, two, like, tell two us about ones. that. Was it like a like a like a jump or a stair set? The or? funny thing about this this particular incident is we were in Los Angeles filming for a clothing company DVD. That clothing company that was right. Yeah. We we're filming for like the team DVD or whatever, and it was our first day in California, and everybody that was there was clocking like good stuff every school we went to every spot we went to people were making stuff happen everything we were trying we were, we were getting it and it was just a great day and it was it was coming into that night and it's one of those days where it's like you're gonna finish your part in like one day yeah, the yeah. 12 day trip and we filmed this nose wheelie down this ledge uh, or across this flat ledge and I ultimately pulled it it was kind of like a, this long line it took me a while to get and I finally landed it we rewatched it wasn't too stoked on like the angle that we filmed it at. I said, well, let me do it one more time. And they're like, no, 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 it looks fine. 
You're I'm like, like, no, I'm like, let's no. do it one more time. Well, I'm like, and I'm like, well, you know, we got to get going. I'm like, five more tries. Let me just give me five more tries. So one, two, three, four, no go. Fifth try, last try of the night. You never say last try. You never say that. And so it went over the bars. Hands kind of went to both sides. Put my face right under the ledge and just kind of bashed everything out. And uh, the funny thing about this whole incident was um, it was just two teeth, but I didn't know how many. All I knew was that like nerve endings hanging out of my teeth, and it just like it was terrible to breathe. And nose, lip, you know the whole deal. You're just kind of bleeding, and you don't know really from where. So we picked ourselves up and we headed back to the car and I kid you not we came around the corner and there's like this restaurant with like these like big windows down the front you can like look right inside the window somebody had stopped to tie their shoe or something we're all just sitting there and I'm like holding this t-shirt over my face I'm bleeding to death and I look in the window and Travis Barker is sitting right there looking right at me no way <laughs> yeah I swear it was him too I know what? it was him yeah, so that was pretty funny that I just, is crazy it's like the night I bashed my teeth out in LA I see Travis Barker I thought that was pretty that's funny that's so crazy <laughs> so you were telling us about uh, your first sponsor what, can you na- notably name any of the other sponsors you've had since yeah, like, yeah like, I'll do my best doing, yeah. it's been a while but it, it was uh, The Take and they, they made uh, frames yeah. a frame company Madera BMX, which is um, a sub company of Profile BMX, and okay. they're an in-house made uh, component company out of St. Petersburg, Florida. So that's all USA made. They've got an in-house machine shop, uh, Profile BMX, and Madera BMX. So it was like Profile was more or less like the uh, started on the racing side of BMX, and Madera started as like the uh, like the street riding kind of style. Um, moved on to ride for a frame company called Versa, who I designed a signature frame with. But unfortunately, that business was short-lived. The owner kind of made a few bad business decisions and, and it kind of fizzled out. Um, at which point I rode for Volume Bikes, which is owned by Brian Castillo. And he was one of my favorite riders growing up. Oh, that and must that have was been just, like a dream It was true. really, it really was. I don't think I ever got a chance to tell Brian that, but it was pretty crazy. I was just on the flow team. There was no no money involved, but the fact that Brian himself Noticed came on the him, line yeah. and said, hey, you know, we really like you on the team and stuff. That was, that meant a lot That's to me. That's cool, man. And then after that, uh, my friend Chad DeGroot started a company called Deco and he's, He's an X Games gold medalist, like Flatlander, an icon in the scene, same deal, was one of my favorite riders. I'd become close with Chad over the last few years at that point. And he started his own business and I wanted to uh, I wanted to support him. And so I ultimately left the volume um, with no hard feelings to uh, help support Chad. And then um, a few different clothing companies here and there that were just kind of either friend owned or rider yeah. owned, small stuff here and there. But uh, those were the notable like uh, like big companies that I rode for. and. Uh, a dream, man. I mean, oh, it yeah. was like, I, I look back imagine. and it's, you know, I've saved all the magazines and all the DVD parts. I've saved, it's all like archived now and it's cool I mean, to kind of look gotta back. You got to remember that part of your life, It's cool, man. man. It's like it was, epic. It was, it was, uh, it was a blessing for yeah. sure. Absolute blessing. Yeah, it was a good time. When you guys were documenting it back then, did you do more videos or pictures or a little bit of both? It was both, or, yeah. I did mean, you have like a go-to guy or did it just depend on Depended where? on the trip. Yeah, yeah it depended on the trip. We, there's There was a few obviously iconic like photographers and videographers in the BMX scene, kind of like yeah, we have here in the car yeah, scene. Yeah. There's a few guys that you just know if you're going on a trip, you want so-and-so to come with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, so there was a handful of guys. But as any community, every year there were more and more kids getting into it or getting better at it. And so it seemed like more and more there were more kids that were um, that were really good yeah at it. so. it's so crazy how a lot of you know extreme sports or just anything in that like realm as it, it how, how how quickly it progresses it's insane like now you look because, at anything oh, from like skating it's BMXing, or even something like break dancing or yeah, anything yeah, like that that crazy. involves like super crazy physical talent like that has progress so much that's why i feel like i'm most honored to have been a part of the professional bmx 
scene when I was because it's just so insane now. There's young kids doing stuff that we didn't even think was physically possible. Yeah, you know? And I feel like that was happening while I was riding too. It almost felt like every day there was like some new discovery of a trick that was only done in a video game pre previous right? to that. But um, watching what kids do today is just insane across all boards. I mean, I love watching skating. I watched more Rodney Mullen videos before I went to ride for inspiration than I did watch BMX videos. Yeah. So I, I always loved watching different extreme sports and the progression of each sport. And uh, it's crazy to see a lot of the guys that I rode with professionally in the mid 2000s that are still doing it and are literally king. Like they wow. are just like Chad Curley, Garrett Reynolds, uh, guys like that are just, they were insane then. And it's just, it's crazy now. Yeah. It's a, it's so crazy. What style were you into? Did you do a lot of like vert stuff? Or did street. You do street, so, street and like park, I guess you could yeah. call it. Yeah, but I, never I, like vert or anything like not that? Really, not nah, really, no. Nah, no, I was never, I'd ride a vert ramp every now and then, but yeah. I was never, uh, yeah, I was like four pegs, no brakes, that whole street style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think more notably, if anyone were to like remember any of the stuff that I used to do, it was mostly like nose wheelie tricks. Oh, like, okay. Kind of like Rodney Mullen yeah. style stuff. So I think that's really transcended. Like on flat ground sort of? On yeah. ledges yeah. In, in, at skate parks and stuff, but Dude, mostly like nose wheelie that stuff. That Rodney Mullen and Daewong Song uh, video is so Insanity, epic. right? Yeah. So that's where I drew a lot of my like inspiration for BMX. And I know I'm not the only one. I know a lot of other guys that kind yeah. of watch skate videos to almost like transcend into a bicycle, you know? Right. Which, which, yeah. So that was. And even the like with skating as an example, even the videos have like progressed so much yeah. over the years. And like, the quality and production. Oh yeah, stuff. production. Yeah, the, uh, of, and of course, like the moves and stuff like yeah. that, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's all video game stuff now. It's crazy yeah, stuff that we were playing on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> like guys are doing for real. Now. Triple kickflips. It's wild. It's insanity. <laughs> I can't even drop in on a skateboard. I can't even <laughs> that was my next question. Did you ever get into any other extreme sports like skating, surfing? I used to snowboard. I yeah. mean, living oh, in New yeah. Hampshire, we're buried in the snow. We have a lot of really good mountains near us. So yeah, I snowboard and I still do every now and then. I'm not too crazy. I'll jib around on like the boxes <laughs> and the rails, but I don't hit any of the big jumps. I'm yeah. too smart for that because I know I'm going to break my neck or something. So, Dude, that's, that's, a, that's a wild sport. But I never skateboarded. I skateboarded for like a week, and after trying to learn kickflips and landing on the back of my head enough times, I said, <laughs> "Well, I know how to ride a bicycle already. Yeah, I already know how to ride it. So I think I've got one up on skateboarding. I think I'll yeah. stick with a bike. So that worked out. When did bit. you start riding, age-wise? I was riding a bike and like jumping tires when I was like thirteen or fourteen, maybe. You know, maybe a little bit before that. But I remember it was almost a decision my friend Pat and I made. We were watching Blue Torch. Remember Blue Torch after school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surfing, skating, BMX. We were watching Blue Torch one day, and we were and they had they were showing some like BMX videos, and we were literally like, we got we got we have these bikes. We have bikes with pegs on them. That's Let's what these guys do are doing. this. And we literally went out one day and like blocked up some stuff and tried hopping over stuff. And 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 I think we were fifteen at that point because I remember Pat was a day. Oh, he's a day younger than me, but he got his license before me for some reason. Finished driver's ed first or something, and he got and he had a truck. And it was all of a sudden this new world had opened up to us. It was like, let's go to a skate park in Massachusetts because now we had a car and we could go wherever we wanted. So it was like 15 to 16 is when I really started riding, which in today's terms is quite a late start because there's a lot of kids going to Woodward and all these extreme oh, sports man. camps. Did you like, ever go to Woodward? Yeah, and yeah. luckily for me, the first few times when I first started going to Woodward was as a visiting pro. So oh, it was really cool. quite a uh, an experience to be able to get to go to Woodward, someplace that I'd always dreamed of going when I was a kid, but we never really had the money to send me to. What, what was that like in terms of you being like a, vi a visiting pro? Did you Were you obligated to like have sessions where you taught kids stuff or were you just there just to 
be it wasn't, there. And- it wasn't an obligation, and I know things may have changed since then, but this was between like 2007 and 2009. Um, that's basically what they want you there for. Yeah. You know, they pay you to be there. You get free room and board, free oh, food. Oh, okay. And you're at like the coolest facility in the world, you know? So, um, but yeah, the, basically the reason for you being there, in my opinion, was to congregate with the kids and like hang out with them, be a positive influence on them and teach them tricks. And, and, and there's probably plenty of guys that were just pro riders that were just looking to ride the ramps and stuff. But I thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with kids and yeah, like, right? cause, cause they're like looking up to you and you're like, you I put myself in their shoes because advantage of the time I wanted to be a Woodward when I was eight years old, you know? Right. So it's like, I, it was really cool to be there. And uh, and just get to ride with kids all day that shared the same passion as me. And, yeah. Um, it was cool, man. It was that was really cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a good it was a, it was a good few years of my twenties. That's yeah, cool. Do it all again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And good you're time. saying you're like you're like feeling it now. I'm like I feel like yeah, I'm an old dad now. I'm not a dad, but it's like <laughs> oh I remember back when you know let me tell you something yeah so. It's good, but it's good. I mean, I feel like it's it's you you build these experiences and you go oh, yeah. back on your life and be like, you know what, that was pretty fun. I don't do that anymore, but it was pretty fun. Dude, that's so. definitely something you could just like tell someone. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, man, yeah, I used to be a pro. Well, yeah, that that sounds a little condescending, <laughs> but like it's funny how it comes up in conversation. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the car scene. Dude, that it's are like, funny. I had no idea, and I, I was like talking to Dave, and I was like, yo, what can I ask John? And he was like, yo, <laughs> talk to him about BMXing. He used to be a pro, and I was oh, like, crazy. I had no idea. It's funny because, like, I mean, we were talking earlier in the car right down here with our, my buddy Corey. Yeah. Where it's like not even a lot of people knew that I played music. and I had no idea, They just too. listened to me, like, just ramble off, and they're like, no, nah, you don't sing. And then, like, if they hear any of my, like, old music or something like that, they're like, that's not you. Yeah, I had and no... they like you. Yeah, th- I mean, I had no idea, and then I was like, whoa, yeah. that's super cool. Skeletons in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just have... I have ADD, I guess. I mean, it was proven in school. I took the test. I had to draw the figure eight and count which direction my hand was going. Left, right, left. Then the teacher would go switch. And you're like, uh, right, left, right. And, you know, I did that. And you're like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Ludwig, your son has ADD. We Here's suggest you put pills. him on a riddle. And my parents are like, Hell no. my mom's like, well, whatever will help. And my dad's like, we're not giving him any pills. He's made it this far. He's fine. Tell him to toughen up. So that was... I forgot what we were talking about because we're talking about ADD and now I'm thinking about ADD. Dude, I'm the same life. way. That's life. what we're talking about. Life. Yeah, life, doing things, life. That was easy Dude, enough. I'm the same way. So like for me, it's just got bored doing something. Yeah. So it's like, well, maybe I'll try to do something else. And and uh, I guess the, the someone saying they're a jack of all trades, I think that's easier because I feel like I get so spread thin. It's like I'm mediocre at yeah. a few different things <laughs> no. rather than just really good at one thing. So I work hard to try to be good at everything I do, but it's... Uh, it's a constant battle. Is there anything that you've always wanted to add to that arsenal of things that you've done or do, but you just haven't gone around to it? Weird things. Like, um, like for a while when I was younger, it's like, there was like weird things that I wanted to learn and to push myself to learn. And one was like to play the piano because I learned guitar at a young age. And then it's always hard to transition from one to the other at an Absolutely. older age. So I like, I sat down and like taught myself how to play piano to watch tutorials. I'd do this, I'd do that to the point where some of my Shout last- Shout out YouTube. <laughs> yeah, YouTube plugs. <laughs> so there was, there was plenty of times where uh, in some of the, my, of my older recordings, some of my older songs or albums or whatever, I'd actually play piano and sing. And when I played live, sometimes I'd get to the point where I could play a song that I composed and sing and play the piano. And that was a massive achievement for me because I couldn't get my hands to do what they needed to do and sing and think about all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, but there's a few other things that I'd, I'd love to Dude, like. Dude, doing that whole multitasking thing 
can't be easy. No. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it comes very I remember natural. a lot of people back in the we day. We call those kids savants <laughs> or prodigies. I don't think I adhere to any Dude, of those. Dude, back in the day, a lot of people used to used to always tell me, like, because I was, like, really into pop punk at some point, and they'd be like, oh, Bink-182, it's like, like, I don't like it. It's too simple or blah, whatever. And I'd be like, what they were doing is so hard. Travis Barker. We yeah. got a second plug for that guy. Yeah, right now. man. Like that guy. Or just percussion. with the, or just with like Tom and whatever we're doing. Just like the singing and but the, man, yeah. Travis was just. I mean, because I play drums. I mean, I, I I play drums too, and and it's it's so crazy listening even to like their way older stuff. That stuff was just so crazy, so intense. Yeah, amazing. Dude, it was like super fast, and they yeah. were like singing at the same time, and it's oh, like yeah. not so easy. No, it's not. <laughs> not when you try it. So so are there things you've like wanted to add to your to your arsenal? Of many things you do. Well, I mean, I, not that it's a taboo subject, but growing up in New Hampshire, we're always around uh, guns and firearms and okay. stuff like that. So cool. I was always shooting skeet as a kid. I love, love, I've love. done that one time and it was so fun. It's so much fun. It really is. And um, it's my, hard. My grandfather would be the first to tell anyone, like, you used to be quite a shot when you were a kid. I'd go up to my grandparents' house on the weekends and go through thousands of rounds of ammunition on the weekend. Just tra- target practice. Yeah. Just being like, I wanted to be a marksman when I grew up and um, just a competition shooter or something. And uh, I think shooting skeet clay pigeons is like some of the most fun oh, dude. ever. I yeah. mean, it's just like so I much said, fun. I've done it one time, and it was in a, like during a camping trip with some of my old coworkers, and it's fun, man. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a challenge for sure. Yeah, so fun. Yeah. and there's something about shooting outside that I enjoy way more than being. Well, I mean, if you, I mean, especially if it's a nice day, you yeah. get some good friends, you know, and it's it's uh it's good fun. It really is. It really yeah. is good fun. And um, I've got a few old shotguns that my grandfather has passed down to me. You know, the guns that I learned to shoot on and yeah. stuff. So it's it's really cool. It's 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 all very um, very sentimental to me for yeah. sure. So that's fun. And really, I mean, as far as like talents and stuff, stuff that I want to acquire, there's not too much more. I mean, I think you and I were talking about it a little bit earlier as far as like the dream. I got the dream job maybe. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of there now. Like I love the laser engraving stuff, but I think the dream for me would be uh, to write movie scores, to yeah, write yeah. movie soundtracks. Hans Zimmer, massive plug right now. Hans Zimmer, like that guy is just an incredible composer. Movies like Interstellar, Dunkirk, Inception. He's done the soundtracks to all these like yeah. massive cinematic films. And um, that's what I want to do. And sitting here telling you that is like, lighting the fire under me it's like i gotta go home and start writing again i gotta get back into this i never take the time so it's like there's not enough hours in the day to Dude, sit that's down gotta be studio. like the, the most enjoyable job like making music wise you just sit down you it's, put, put a film on and just it's like i mean score. i kind of write like that already i'll get in the studio i'll shut the lights off or go, or put them pretty dim and, and put a pretty compelling a visually compelling film on on mute and just just start playing piano yeah. guitar whatever Get some sounds going and just kind of build. I mean, that would be the ultimate dream. Sit in a studio with a pro- giant projector with the post-production film playing and a cup of coffee. And yeah, so we're going to work on that. We're going to have another interview. What's another been your years. favorite soundtrack notably like recently? Interstellar. Interstellar. Period. That movie was fantastic. Period. Like that film. Yeah. I don't even know. We, we could talk hours about that film. But that, <laughs> that film... Dan Crosley, my buddy Dan Crosley, he yeah. he um he texted me after he went and saw opening night. Did you see Interstellar yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. You gotta go see it. Dude, he saw he, it himself in theaters like four times. Like, you gotta go do it. So I finally went and saw it by myself in the theater. And I texted him. I'm like, dude, it's insane. He goes, I cried. And I said, 
I cried too. The music, <laughs> the the compelling visuals, the whole storyline. Yeah, it's good. So the more I talk about it now, the more it's like, yeah, Dude, we're gonna we're gonna shift Leonardo's gears. Leonardo's been soon. in like any bad movies ever. Um, yeah, well, Interstellar. Or did, were we talking about Inception? Inception. <laughs> that's what we were talking about. If I said about. Inception, I meant Interstellar, which yeah. lately. Okay. Interstellar is the one lately. Matthew McConaughey. Right, gotcha. But yeah. both Hans Zimmer, yeah. both Christopher Nolan, um, but different cast. But yeah, I mean, both films were just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But So I think that's it for me. Yeah. Dude, I don't know if you have. I don't know if you've heard it, but I I really like the soundtrack for. I mean, it's not a movie, but uh, Westworld, the HBO show, is so I haven't fantastic. Seen it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll have to check it out. I got it yeah. on vinyl. It's just fantastic. Well, things like Stranger Things. Oh yeah, like, the, the soundtracks the are just so yeah, it's yeah. so rad. It's so cool that like so many of these new shows or movies are so um, score driven. Yeah. And as a musician or as a songwriter or composer, whatever you want to call like what I like enjoy doing. It's so cool to see that that's getting the acknowledgement. Yeah, I guess, you know that that it's a lot of people are like Stranger Things is totally retro, like music driven. Dude, it's, it's so crazy how be, be, on the topic of since you said Stranger Things, how much TV shows have stepped it up in the last couple of years. Netflix has a lot to do with that oh, too, and yeah. all the people trying to compete with Netflix. Yeah, HBO know, so, and Hulu like, and all that. I see yeah. all these TV shows, and I'm like, and I'm like, this could be a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like a film. Yeah, yeah, the production, the yeah, mood, AMC? the music. AMC, yeah. Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead and all that stuff. I'm yeah. watching Breaking Bad right now, actually. Oh, man. So yeah. I'm super yeah. late. It's good. Late past. It makes you want to go buy a Pontiac I Aztec. <laughs> Dude, that show is really badass. It's good. I am yeah, on good. season like three right now, yeah. and it's long overdue. Everyone's been like, watch the show, watch hey, the fine. show, watch the you show. Watch it in stride. Watch it patiently. You know, uh, don't binge watch it. Right. Like, wait, watch a season, yeah. uh, uh, an episode a night. Yep. So you can like, you're like, you know, you're taking it in. I've watched a lot of shows really late. Yeah, good. Yeah. Like, that's cool though. Yeah. Because you have the opportunity to like watch every episode. Yeah. You don't have to wait for the next week and then have commercials interrupting you and stuff. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Because this year cool. I watched like The Sopranos, super old. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the the one about uh, the biker gang? Um, oh, um, <laughs> I'm blanking. Sons of Anarchy? So, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, blanking. Yes. I'm that, one of those guys wow. that really get into that. Blanking yeah. on the name right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I've seen so many shows like super late. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's better than not watching it You can at all. streamline it though, which is good. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. I can't imagine like, I mean, I bet you a bunch of people are like, man, he waited so long to watch that, but hey. It's cool though. It's cool to wait. It's cool to wait. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I totally forgot to ask you when we were on the topic of BMX riding, but I remember you mentioned earlier or before that you did an interview with ESPN. It was an EXPN oh, interview okay. and actually, yeah. um, uh, a buddy of mine, Brian Tunney, who was also um, a pretty iconic flatland rider, um, had contacted me. And actually, you know what? It's kind of funny. We've both been talking about this already, but Brian Tunney actually had found out that I played music. And he was kind of into the same style of music that I was riding. And I didn't really know this. And I knew Brian as like a professional BMXer. And he had actually contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do like this 10 questions or 21 questions or something like that yeah. with EXPN. And um, a lot of it had to do with um, my music and um, and my writing and stuff, obviously. But yeah. um, so that was just like a like a questionnaire thing. And um, that's a lot of questions, though. I feel like that was. I can't remember how many it was, yeah. but oh, okay. I, I remember looking it up. I archived it not too long ago. And <laughs> is it my, on YouTube? And no. And I was like, <laughs> what were my answers all about? Like, what was it? I was just like a young kid, and I was just goofing off, answering some questions really 
What like, are like random questions like ketchup yeah, or like, mustard? What's the coolest thing you could think you could ever see or something? And I said something about like a bald eagle riding a badger or something stupid. I don't even know. <laughs> so and like, but at the time, in my defense, at the time there was this like ongoing joke in with some of like my, my teammates that were like that badgers were like really cool or something. I don't. There was some weird inside joke yeah, going yeah. on. And when I read the article recently, I didn't remember that. I'm like, <laughs> what was I talking about? What am I doing? Thank God I got out of that. <laughs> but so that, those were my 15 minutes on EXPN oh, talking man. about badgers and bald eagles and stuff. Oh know. man, that's fun. that's funny. <laughs> but that was that was that was a cool opportunity with Brian because Brian was doing EXPN stuff for BMX. Are you guys still in, in contact? Or? I haven't talked to Brian in a long time. We're oh, friends wow. on Facebook. Okay. I should, I'm probably gonna shoot him a message. See how he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Sorry, Facebook, Brian. Facebook, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's crazy how like it just social media connects everyone like you yeah it really does like yeah. you I, there are so many people on my social media that i haven't seen since like high school or middle school or even college but because you're like friends with them on facebook you just like follow yeah. their life yeah, vicariously exactly. yeah. and it's like you've never lost touch yeah but yeah. you have <laughs> yeah you really have yeah, yeah. it's so crazy but you're rationalizing that yeah no you, haven't. <laughs> nah, you told you went to walmart yesterday i know it <laughs> i know it because he bought it. some new shower curtains <laughs> they're black <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Creeper status. <laughs> so plug Walmart. <laughs> Yo, they're like stepping it up. You gotta apparently. start putting, dude. USA made online stores. They got like they got like um, marketplaces. That's dude, they're totally thing, but... trying to rip off Amazon right now. Boy, are we gonna get into like this big like corporate dispute? They're gonna shut your YouTube channel down. <laughs> what are you thinking? They're doing like the commercials, like oh, you get this box from yeah. us, and free two day shipping, and I'm like. I know a company that does that. Well, they too. got to. How are they going to compete? I know. This whole interview is going to be us talking about like like the development of <laughs> our infrastructure in the country. Yeah, like Amazon's going to rule it all. They are though. It's crazy. You got to yeah. put up with it. They're going to drone deliver you food if you say I'm hungry. A cheeseburger is going to fly into this window from an Amazon drone, and you ordered it on Prime. Dude, I've tried the whole grocery thing online, and it's just like. Yeah, mm. I live in the woods. That wouldn't work. It'd be some dude in a Honda Civic trying to drive like fifty miles to my house out in the middle of the woods at night, trying to deliver me a half. I do. Milk. I do all it's not the. I do everything the lazy way, like groceries. I even get like Uber Eats and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, it's just like what we've. Become. You live in an area where you can do that, though. Yeah, I can't. you can't. I gotta go outside and start the car. <laughs> okay. Uh, so one last thing. Um, you've. Uh, you've done a lot of things in your past is there anything else that you that you did like before all this that's like pretty notable like before the engraving before the you know all that stuff um i mean i used to draw in school but i think that's about it um aside from the music the bmx and and the whole car thing and the laser engraving or whatever but um yeah i think i used to draw i used to have the patience to do it i don't have the patience or the time anymore oh yeah i used to like drawing and schematics and Automotive style drawings and stuff. My dad used to do that too. He was a, he he was really into drafting and all that sort of stuff. So I thought I was gonna really get into it at an older age, but I found myself I just don't have the uh, the patience to sit down. Yeah, I, I yeah I I mean I I went to art school for design and I did a lot of courses with drawing and yep. all that stuff and it, yep. it's tough man perspective yep. and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it just became more of a uh, I don't know uh, a time sensitive thing and i just never like i never took the time to do it yeah. so maybe later in life if i get the time to sit down and the way things are going right now everything's so hectic and crazy that i 
don't even remember what day it is. You know? So <laughs> yeah, you're like super busy with everything else that you have going on. It's pretty busy, but it'd be I mean, super hard to take on another another uh, yeah true hobby. Yeah, I mean, and that's but that's the way I like it. I mean, I'm 32. I'm single. Plug for all the, for all the ladies. ladies. Yeah, um, but no kids, not married, none of that stuff. I live it. You know, I live alone, and it's it's still chaos it's yeah. just straight chaos you know we're thinking about booking a trip to england in two weeks for ultimate stance and then fly straight from there to possibly to florida for simply clean just because it's what else am i gonna do yeah i don't know you know so it's, I, it's i'm sure it's you crazy. feel like you can never just like sit down and relax you're always on the but when i do if it's like raining or something and there's no commission work coming in i sit down and it's like you can finally punch out mentally it's yeah. good it's good so i i I um, appreciate the quiet time yeah. more now than I did when I had a regular job. So, yeah, it's good. Screw I enjoy regular it. jobs. It's good, <laughs> yeah. Work harder. Yeah, I had to start my own business to be busier than I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. So what, who, who or what have been your biggest influences in life with everything you do? My parents. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Between my upbringing, their guidance, um, their example – um, certainly my parents. Yeah. I know that sounds like kind of emotional, but definitely my parents. Um, I mean, I strive to have a marriage like theirs. I strive to have, um, the outlook on life that they do, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. So I think they're, they're my major influences. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. I awesome, mean, man. even, even right down to like, uh, doing all the car stuff, you know, it's like my father's been an instrumental or he's played an instrumental role in, in all that stuff. So it's it's been, and I ha, I hear a lot of friends of mine say like, oh, well, you know, it's cool that you have that. I wish I had that with my father or something. And I've never really stepped back and thought like, oh, well, how could that not be with my father? Because yeah. he's always been in the cars and always kind of, uh, he's the reason why I know how to work on cars yeah. or whatever. So um, that, and I think music as well. I think music's been played a massive uh, role in influencing me um, with writing music, but with writing BMX. Uh, you, when you're in the shop late at night, you're listening to yeah, your you favorite music. Yeah, you just toss on your know, favorite, that's your favorite yeah. song at the time and you just crank yeah. out your artwork or and, whatever you have to do. And with BMX, if we we're, were trying to film something, pull some trick down a handrail or something and I was kind of stressing on it, you put your headphones on, put that favorite song on that pumps you up and just send it. Yeah. But see, this is the thing about send it and we're going to talk about that real quick. <laughs> So at H2O this year, everyone's saying, send it, send it. But it's all these like 16 to 20 year old kids. And it's all because of the just going to send it yeah. guy, you know? And it's like, that guy's rad. But when I was in high school, everybody said, send it. Yeah. That's just the way it was. So it's funny that I feel like I'm getting old because I've heard that saying come back full circle and everyone's upset. They're like, stop saying, send it. I'm like, that's, we, <laughs> said, said. we said that. Yeah. We said it. <laughs> And I'm, we're officially getting old because we remember when that was said, said yeah. for probably his fourth time around yeah. you know, in social activity. So <laughs> last question before we, we end things, uh, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Maybe right here. Maybe we should do this again in five years <laughs> and we'll see how things are going. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, man, I don't know. Life is just so uncertain and so unpredictable i don't know like it's been such a liberating feeling keeping doors open really i mean it's the laser engraving stuff is is going great i really enjoy what i do but man i don't know in five years i guess to give you a more solid answer i think yeah writing music more yeah Yeah. i like that i think that's going to be the new motivation 
the rekindling motivation. Yeah, I want to get back into writing more music. Yeah. Dude, that'd be so awesome, man. Maybe five years, I'll be. Uh, Yo, your album I'll have something out. substantial. We'll do an album review <laughs> on my SoundCloud. <laughs> well, I'm something finished finally. So maybe that. Yeah, maybe yeah. music. That's a good goal, man. But if not, hey, keep doing the laser thing, cars thing. Yeah, staying healthy, yeah, traveling, seeing yeah. seeing the world if I can. You oh, know, yeah. God willing, and uh, yeah. Awesome, man. It's been a good so, time. All right, man. So <laughs> any any closing thoughts, shout outs before we end man. this thing? My parents, uh, Christian and the Kennebeat boys. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, ending thoughts. I mean, do what you love. I mean, follow your passion. Hell yeah, man. Do, get out of that rock. Get out of that toxic relationship. Get out of, just get motivated. Do something, you know? Like, you can sit around on the couch and think about all the what ifs. Do this, do that. But, I mean, it, I, I need to be telling myself this to help motivate myself too, but it's just get moving do something you know like if you're moving if you're not moving you can't be moving forward so i think that's my end thought is like make something happen you yeah, know man. and oh, i yeah. mean trial and error send it <laughs> <laughs> awesome man yeah appreciate it all right man awesome it's been it's been real man uh hey, fcf for the tomorrow should be awesome hey, looking forward to that and uh yeah man uh this has been how it's done podcast with john lugwit jr we're out peace peace that was cool. That was more, that was way more, uh, that was way more like natural than the first one in Ocean yeah. City because it was like, uh, you oh, did, you say the, did you say that camera shut off? Yeah, the camera shut off. What the fuck? That one's still going. Yeah, I bet the battery died. We were doing this for how I long? I bet is the this? battery died. Yeah. An hour 20.